I don't know. Isn't it neat to see young people who are following the Lord, serving the Lord? Some of you, that should just provide hope that America hasn't fallen apart. And you can trust your God. And that He will do amazing things no matter what it looks like in the weeks and months and years to come. If you have your Bible, go to the book of Joshua. Um, been looking forward to sharing with you this morning about the book of Joshua. I know that most of you, as you think about Joshua, you think about the song, Joshua Fit the Battle of Jericho, which we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. But as you go to the book of Joshua, it's a really kind of a neat time in, in life. Um, you think we've already went through you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and now we're getting to the book of Joshua. And I kind of think about that as, as God has went ahead and laid the foundation for the nation of Israel. And he's given them some foundational tools. We would call that the Pentateuch, uh, Genesis through Deuteronomy. And now you're going to get a chance as you look through the Old Testament, you're going to get a chance to see history. Joshua through Esther is going to be about history. And it's really going to be interesting to see as we think about and look at over the weeks uh, coming uh, up in front of us, what will the nation of Israel do with the foundation that has been laid for them? What will they do with truth when they're confronted with choices and opportunities and places to go and decisions to make? What will they do with that truth? Will they follow it? Will they walk away from it? Will they hold tight to that foundational things of their lives? Or they'll just say, you know, it's really not that big of a deal. It really doesn't matter. So I'll just kind of leave it there. As you get to the book of Joshua, you're going to realize that Joshua's about 90 years of age. He's been trained by Moses. He's watched Moses. His name means the Lord is salvation. Numbers chapter 13, verse 16 is where Moses changed his name uh, to Joshua. And uh, Joshua is the one who Jehovah saves, or the Lord is salvation. Joshua's called to possess the land. And I don't know about you, but I'm one of those guys, I kind of like the war stories. I kind of like to watch battles. I kind of like to watch the underdog. And so as you think about the book of Joshua, you really should think about a war. The nation of Israel has been promised this land. Moses has got him to this point, And now God is going to use a servant named Joshua. And he's going to use Joshua to say, okay, here we go. We're headed into battle. What's really exciting about this is you think about the nation of Israel. They're really a bunch of slaves that are going to turn, be turned into soldiers. God, you want us to go possess land. We know what's in the land. There's amazing people in our land. There's big fortified cities in the land. God, we're just slaves. You want us to go over there? Yeah. You're going to be and learn and see what it is to have the mighty hand of God on your team as you enter into battle. They're going to have a chance to learn what it looks like for the nation of Israel to have the total dependence on the Lord for victory. To be able to walk up to a city and say, God, you said this is ours. God, would you provide this city? God, we don't have a strategy. God, we don't have a plan. God, this city, these walls are too big for us. God, we can't do this. And they're going to have to sit around and say, God... We will trust you. 
as I was looking through some information about the book of Joshua, there'll be three major campaigns that include more than 30 enemy armies. The people will learn a crucial lesson under Joshua's capable leadership. Victory comes through faith in God and obedience to his word rather than through military might or superiority in numbers. The book of Joshua. If you think about the book of Joshua, I was looking at my uh, ESV study Bible. You can break the book of Joshua down in these four things. The crossing of the land, the taking of the land, the dividing of the land, and serving the Lord in the land. As you see that, I get excited and say, okay, God, I want to watch you move the nation of Israel into crossing the land, taking the land, dividing the land. But it's really interesting how God ends the book of Joshua and the life of Joshua and said, I want you to serve the Lord in the land. Which will be a choice for every individual in the nation of Israel. Will they serve the Lord? As you know, the book of Joshua, you can probably pick uh, some of your favorite verses. And I read some as, I get, as we started this morning. But I want you to see something in the beginning of the book of Joshua as, you, as we lead into crossing into the land. Uh, verse 1 of Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1, it says this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, the son of Nun, Moses, aid. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. So now Joshua, for the first time, is the leader of the nation of Israel. And he didn't sit around with his leaders and say, okay, guys, here's the plan. This is what we need to do. This is where we're going. This is when we're going to do it. The first thing that we grab out of the book of Joshua is say God's voice to Joshua. God speaks to Joshua. For the first time now, he's not somebody that's going to hear information from God to Moses to the nation of Israel. God and Joshua are going to have a conversation or he's going to hear God speak. Joshua, this is what I want. I am the Lord, Joshua. You are the son of none. Moses is aid. But Joshua, I am going to give you this land. In verse 5 of chapter 1, it says, No one will ever be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. Joshua, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And most of us, we love those verses. God will never leave us nor forsake us. But then God gave Joshua some words. Not vague, but very specific words. Joshua, this is what I want with you. This is what I want from you. Joshua, be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Most of us, we really care, we like the part about being strong and being courageous. There's something inside of us that really just kind of gravitate to those words. 
And I'm not saying we shouldn't gravitate to those words, but I think we should be more looking at be careful to obey all the law. Don't turn from the right or from the left. That you may be successful wherever you go. Joshua, it's going to be very important for you to be very careful to be obedient to my words. Joshua, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. But Joshua, you will have to make a decision to be very careful to be strong and courageous. Joshua, it's almost like this, and I don't mean this to be funny, but it's just a great word picture about this. Joshua, you really need to think about this. Joshua, you need to spend some time on this. This just shouldn't see, be a coincidence or a once-off thing. Joshua, I want you to meditate on these things. Joshua, I want you to think about these things. Be strong. Be courageous. Meditate on the law. Do not turn to the right or the left. Be careful to be obeyed. Joshua, do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. <laughs> Really, God? Joshua, don't be afraid. Joshua, do not be discouraged. You know why, Joshua? Because I will be with you. I will give these people to you. Wherever your foot goes, Joshua, I'll be the victim. I'll be your victim. I'll be your strength. So Joshua, as he's a new leader, he's going to command the nation of Israel. If you drop down in verse 10, it says, Then Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go throughout the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan and go in to take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you. And then verse... um, 16, the people answered Joshua, whatever you command us, we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will we obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whatever you or obey your words or whatever you have commanded them, we will put to death. Only be strong and courageous. So the people have responded. Joshua, we'll obey. Joshua, wherever you send us, we'll go. Joshua, if we don't do that, you can stone us. So you enter into this first subtitle, Crossing into the Land. The Lord speaks to Joshua. Joshua hears his voice. The people rally around Joshua. They'll say, okay, God, here we go. We're going into the land. Chapter 2. Most of you know chapter 2. The two spies are sent out to hear, see what this, what this city, what is Jericho really like? Can we really take Jericho? And so the two spies go into the land and they look, and you know about Rahab the prostitute. 
You know that God is going to spare her family. It's interesting as you think about the sovereignty of God. Think about God choosing that family to protect the spies. What they were willing to do so those spies could get away. But what's really interesting is, as you think about all of this, chapter 2, as they're hidden, and is, is the part where you see them escape. And then you get to verse 24 of chapter 2. They said to Joshua, The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. All the people are melting in fear because of Joshua's God. To me, I think there's to me there's some humor in that. Why would anybody be afraid of a bunch of slaves? And they're not warriors. They've never been trained to fight. They're slaves. They've been wandering around for 40 years in this wilderness. But God had a plan. And God knew that the only way that God was going to really get all the glory is to take a group of slaves from Egypt and show them His power and then disciple them in the wilderness. Hey, here's truth. Here's some foundations that I want to lay into your life so that when, as we are praying this morning, when the hurricane comes, you'll have some foundational truths to come back to. And now, all the enemies are afraid of the Israelites. And God's going to go, and we go kind of fast through this as they're they're moving towards uh, taking... uh, the, the, towards the land, get chapter 3, crossing of the Jordan. And what's ex- amazing to me about this is God's going to use the crossing of the Jordan to solidify His power to all of their enemies. Because see, the, the Jordan River is at flood stage. It wasn't like it was a coincidence they just crossed a little narrow piece of water. No, no. It was at flood stage. There's no way that you're going to get an army from this side to that side. And so I'm sure the enemies were just saying, hey, you know what? We're okay right now. Yeah, we know Israel's over there, but they're not going to do anything about it. They don't have any boats. They don't have any bridges. We're safe for a little while. You see, God had a plan. And as, as this group of Israelites are moving. God's going to do something amazing. God's going to take the ark. And as they step their feet in the river, a path we make across the Jordan River. He's going to cause the water to stand up on heaps on both sides. You see that in in Joshua chapter 3 and verse 13. You're going to see that verse 17, the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant and of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while the Israelites passed by until the whole nation had completely crossed on dry ground. Hey Joshua, 
Remember I said I would be with you? Joshua, remember when I said to you, be strong and courageous? Joshua, when I remember when I said to you, don't be discouraged. I can only imagine if God said, okay, God, I want to, as you're, if you're leading this group of Israelites and you come to this river and God says, okay, it's time we're going to start moving toward the land. We're going to take the land. Time out, God. I know you said all this, but how are we going to cross this river? And I'm sure there must have been something in Joshua's mind saying, God, this is a little bit ridiculous. God, this is too big for us. God, this is absolutely crazy. But see, Joshua was there. See, Joshua was most likely born in Egypt. Joshua knew what it was like to be a slave. Joshua saw the ten plagues. Joshua, this isn't the first time Joshua has seen water stand on both sides. This is the second time that God said to a nation of Israel, go. And you know who was there the first time? Joshua. When the Egyptians were coming to destroy the Israelites, Joshua was there. All right, God, if that's what you wanted me to do, God, we're going in that direction. God, because I trust you. God, I've seen your power. God, I've watched you do unbelievable things. God, if that's what you want from me, I can be strong and courageous. I'll cross the Jordan River. Chapter 4, you get a chance to see they're going to build uh, a memorial crossing. I don't want to talk a lot about that this morning. But I do want to talk a little bit about chapter 5. I think this is really interesting. As you're moving towards the land, God's going to ask the nation of Israel to be involved in circumcision. Interesting to me. God, you want us to go to battle but you want us to be circumcised out here in the middle of it. God, we don't have any protection. God, you want us to gather flint knives. Yeah. Now, when all the Amorite kings in chapter 5, verse 1, west of the Jordan, all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until we had crossed over. Their hearts melted, and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. The Israelites didn't know this. They're going to see this. And so in their fear, God says, hey, I want these people to be set aside. And if you look at uh, verse 13, now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a, a sword drawn in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have come. Then Joshua fell to his face to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does your Lord have for your servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. You think that's a coincidence? You think Moses had ever talked to Joshua about the burning bush? about the voice that he heard and of his God saying, Hey, Moses, take off your sandals because the place that you are standing is holy ground. Hey, Joshua, before we embark in the next phase of the book of Joshua, I want you to know something, Joshua, that where you're standing right now is holy ground. I don't read this anywhere, but it's a thought that I have. Joshua, before... I use you as the leader of the nation of Israel. 
I want to remind you before you take the land. I want to remind you before you go into the battle, Joshua, it has nothing to do with you. You're just a servant, Joshua. Taking the land. The nation of Israel becomes warriors. And God's in chapter 6 is going to bring them to what you know, the Sunday school story. Does Joshua fit the battle of Jericho? God gives Joshua very direct plans. I won't read a lot about it because I think you probably know it. just want to remind you something. Out of all the battles that I've ever seen or heard about in all of history... I've never seen an army win a battle with a trumpet before. I've never seen an army march around walls and when they cried out to their God that those walls fell to the ground. And what's very interesting is as you read through and I, and I can't get a total understanding yet of how thick the walls were, how tall the walls were, but these just weren't walls you could walk over and say, hey, by the way, I'm going to push this wall over. You're talking about feet thick of walls. You're talking about tall walls, 12 to 14 feet maybe or more. First wall. Then you're talking about a barrier in between and then another wall. So you talk about defeating Jericho. The only way that you would really defeat Jericho if you were an army strategy would be you would starve the people to death. There was no dynamite. There were no smart bombs. There's nothing. You weren't going to blow this wall up. The only way you were going to actually take over that land is make sure every single person died from starvation. Because they could be at the top of the wall with with hot tar, and when you decided to try to climb the wall, you know what they did? They just poured it right on you. But Joshua's God said to Joshua, the commander-in-chief, who was reminded that he's standing on holy ground, Joshua, this is what I want from you. Very clear instructions. Then the Lord said to Joshua in chapter 6, verse 2, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with the king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all your armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry the trumpets and rams and horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When they hear the sound with a loud blast of the trumpet, all the people give up the loud voice. Then the walls of the city will collapse and the people who will go, your people will go in straight in. Is that what happened? Yeah. Also want to remind you something. Even though that all the walls so all the walls fell down. Guess who was taken care of in the sovereignty of our God? Rahab's family. It's also very interesting as you read through the book of Matthew, you will find Rahab's name again in the line of our Messiah. You also see that Joshua will burn the whole city. And also Joshua was told the nation of Israel, here's some things in chapter 6 and verse 18, but keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of these. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble 
and all the silver and the articles of gold and iron are sacred to the Lord and must be in his treasury. Some more instruction. This is what I want from you. As you go into the land, I know there will be a lot of things that are there, but I'm going to ask you not to keep any of those things. As they're taking the land, you come to chapter 7. You know what's very interesting? In chapter 6, they had very clear instructions. You know what they did in chapter 7? They disobeyed. What you see is that Joshua, they send out a scouting party. They want to go to, go to Ai, defeat Ai, which they sh- should have done very easily. Hey, they just, they just took out Jericho, fortified walls, watched them fall down. What happened is 36 people died because of the sin of a family. And the whole nation went from the mighty warrior concept to their hearts being melted and becoming like water. You see that in chapter 7 and verse 5. Who killed about 36 them? They chased the Israelites from the city gates as far back as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. And at the hearts of the people melted, they became like water. What happened? Somebody said, you know what, I really don't think God really means what he says. And so you're going to find now in chapter 7 that those who acted unfaithfully, 36 people died because of those people. As you read through chapter 7, you will see that Joshua will fall to, his ground, fall to the ground and say, God, what has happened? God, where is the sin? God, show me the sin. And then you will see in chapter 7 that there's a, con- there's a consequence to sin. And that's a stoning. Because someone was told the things that were devoted to the people were not theirs. And in chapter 7, verse 20, Achan replied, It is true, I have sinned against the Lord and the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw the plunder, a beautiful robe and the Babylonians, 200 shekels of silver and the wedge of gold, weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them. And I took them and I hid them in the ground inside of my tent and the silver underneath them. So Joshua sent messengers. Hey, go check it out. Is it true? You know what Joshua found out? It was true. So Joshua, together with all the Israelites, took Achan and they stoned him. They took his sons and his daughter and his wife and all that he had and they stoned him. They all died. Most of us never heard about chapter 7 in your Sunday school class. Most of us love to hear the story of Joshua fit the battle of Jericho With amazing things, the walls came down. But the same God that brought down the walls said to Joshua, Hey, Joshua, here's some things that you need to know. And Joshua, if these people buy into this lie, it will destroy them. And a vivid illustration amongst the nation of Israel, of one individual and his family saying, You know what, God? We like your words, but we really don't want to be obedient to them. And so God said, That is your choice. And that family was stoned to death in front of the nation of Israel. As you go on, you will see some amazing victories. You'll see God continue on in his faithfulness in chapter 6. 
I don't have time for that this morning, but as you, uh, it's, not act, it's actually t- taking the land that keeps on going 6 through 12, but you get a chance to see the victory at Ai. Uh, you get a chance to see in chapter 10 that God holds the, the sun still so they can kill um, all, all the, the uh, Amorites. God also causes hail to come down from heaven, and actually the hail kills more than any of the Israelite soldiers take place by sword because it's the longest day God holds the sun still so the Israelites could finish the battle. You see that in Joshua chapter 10, 11 through 13. <laughs> also, you see in, in the third part of what we want to talk about this morning is dividing of the land. I'm not going to talk a lot about that, but that's chapter 13 to 24. What's really interesting in this part is, in this section, is that the Levites were given 48 towns in the land that God had given them to possess. So it's almost like God was saying, in the middle of this land, I want there to be a light of the Levites. So God strategically moved them throughout the land so they could be a light up to the world. And then you have the final part of this is serving in the land. And it's interesting as you pick it up in Joshua chapter 22, it's now God has provided the land. Joshua's at the end of his life. Um, if I'm right, I think Joshua passes away about 110 years of age. And Joshua's going to give some final speeches. You pick that up in Joshua chapter 22 and in 23. You know, what's very interesting as you think about Joshua's final words in chapter 23 in front of all of Israel. He summoned the leaders. That's uh, Joshua chapter 23 and verse 2. I am old and advanced in years. You yourself have seen everything the Lord has, God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Remember how I have allotted as inheritances for your tribes all the lands of the nations remaining, the nations that I have conquered between the Jordan and the Great Sea in the West. The Lord your God himself will drive them out of your way. He will push them out before you and you will take possession of their land that the Lord has promised you. As the whole nation is gathered around him, he says this, Be strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning the side to the right or to the left. Do not associate with these nations and the remains among you. Do not invoke the name of other gods or swear by them. You must serve them or bow down to them. But you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. Joshua says to the nation of Israel, hold fast. There will be a lot of things that are going to take place around you. A lot of people are going to infiltrate the nation of Israel. People are going to move in next to you. You're going to have neighbors. But my words to you is be strong and courageous. Hey, hold on to the truth. Hold on to the things that you've seen God do. And what's exciting is as you end the book of Joshua, Joshua's name, Joshua's words, at the end of, or Joshua chapter 29 says this, after these things, Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord. Joshua held on. I'm sure Joshua was afraid, and I'm sure Joshua was discouraged, I'm sure Joshua was upset. But as we finish the book of Joshua, you read that Joshua was a servant of the Lord. And I realize this morning it's 
it's an Old Testament passage, and I realized this morning that we could talk about just crossing the land, and we can talk about taking the land, we can talk about dividing the land, we can talk about serving the land. But I have a word for you. Be strong and courageous while you're on this land. Be careful to obey. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. Maybe it's time for you to ask God for some of that land that you live in. Don't follow the lies of the land. Be careful. Be very, very careful. Don't follow the lies of the land. And sin will cost you. Don't think that your God doesn't love you enough to get your attention. Don't think that God is not a jealous God. Don't think when your heart starts to wonder that he might rock your world to get your attention. Maybe you need to stop to say, Jesus, help me today. Because you're not following the word. Because you're not careful to obey. And one of the things that I've been talking about in the last couple of weeks is the, the choices pregnancy, the golf outing. And I was just, as I was thinking about it, thinking, God, maybe there's people here that don't play golf. God, maybe there's people sitting in this room that aren't strong and courageous when it comes to life. Maybe some of you haven't thought about it as a baby. That when the world talks to you, it's a fetus. It's tissue. Oh, it's her choice. And I watched a a video the other day, the last night, and it's of this little baby inside their mother's womb. And it's talking to its mom. Obviously, it's People was just speaking word, but it says, Mom, I have my fingers today. Mom, I found my toes today. Mom, I found out I found my thumb today. But you know, Mom, the most soothing thing in my soul is to hear your heartbeat, Mom. Mom, I hear what that doctor's saying. Mom, I know you have trouble in your soul. And I didn't know what Ashley was going to say. But Mom, I, I hear you thinking about abortion, Mom. I don't like those words, Mom. The end of the video. It says, Mom, I'm in Jesus' arms now. Mom, I forgive you. Mom, see you one day. Because I found this guy 
He had nail-pierced hands. He said, Mom, he loves you. And even though we live in a small community, there are people making choices in our small community that it's not a life. And I know we sit in our church and we're comfortable and it's nice. And you can almost think like it doesn't exist, but it does. It's here. We have an opportunity to be in part of that. We're not going to fix it all. We have an opportunity to be strong and courageous in our community. Choices Pregnancy does that. And we were going to take a love offering for them today. There's stuff in the, there's boxes in the foyers. You can just say, you know, maybe I, I can't play golf, but God, I can give them a little bit of money. Because God, I want to support a voice that is strong in our community. God, I want to stand with somebody that does care, that will come alongside of a mom and tell them the truth. Show them what a sonogram is. Show them what their little person looks like. So I just, I just want to encourage you with that this morning. As you leave, I want to ask you to pray for a couple people. I want to ask you to pray for the Maxi family, for the Morris family. Both of them lost family members this week. I ask you to pray for a young man. His name is Zach Taylor. He's in the seventh grade or eighth grade. He will have brain surgery on Tuesday to remove a tumor. He's one of the kids that comes and plays with us on Wednesday night. You know, I didn't even know until Friday that there was anything wrong with him. We should pray for the Taylor family. Also, if you want to be involved, uh, there's a group that's going to go to Mexico. They're going to have a, a luncheon and dessert auction all that next week. Ways to be involved in ministry, things to talk about, opportunities for you to be strong and courageous in our community. Please don't be terrified. Please don't be discouraged. Most importantly, run to your Savior. His name's Jesus.